Hey y'all, this is Culture Soup, where tech, culture, and business collide. It's a podcast that spoons up everything hot from social media. I'm your host, L. Michelle Smith, and each episode, we bring you some of the most notable and not yet notable thought leaders in tech, business, and culture. Today is Thursday, October 29th, and you know what today is? It's our anniversary. It's our second year anniversary. In fact, August 28th, 2018 was the first day that the Culture Soup podcast aired on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and a couple others. And you know what now? Fast forward two years after the launch of a show that was conceptualized to not only reposition my brand, your host and executive producer, L. Michelle Smith, but it was also conceptualized to expand my reach so that I could have an audience when it was time to release commercially available books. And you know what? I am just rounding the corner on the release of the audiobook of my first commercially released book. No thanks. Seven ways to say I'll just include myself. And we're celebrating by having a series of voices from the book, executive leaders and expert voices to break down what's in the book. And you know what? Persuade you to go get it. You can at nothanksbook.com. And you know what? Without further ado, let's get going. I've got Dr. Jeff Gardier, America's psychologist. Hey, everybody. I am so excited. This is the No Thanks Rockstar to Rockstar Fireside Chat Series. This is number two. We first had Cheryl Grace two weeks ago from Nielsen, and I am Cheryl Grace, formerly PowerfulPenny.com. Yes, indeed, y'all, we're having conversations about this book right here. No thanks. Seven ways to say, there we go, there we go. (laughs) Seven ways to say, I'll just include myself, a guide to rockstar leadership for women of color in the workplace. Look, I am so excited because we're going to have a conversation which is really at the heart and soul of this book. And while there is a lot to say about understanding your value, digging into your story and uncovering that value, there are some very real obstacles that women of color face, especially Black women. And you know that this insight is, is backed by data that's been out since 2017 and reinforced year over year over year by the Women in the Workplace study done by McKinsey McKinsey and Company and leanin.org. And then of course, Catalyst has come behind them with even more data and it's, it's it's a real thing. So of course, you know, I've gotten credentialed as an executive coach and my credentialing is also based in applied positive psychology, but I just wanted to let you know that I brought in the real deal for this book 
to back up some of the things we're saying, he's a clinical psychologist. You've seen him on headline news. You've seen him on basketball wives. You've seen him on what, real housewives of what? Atlanta, New York, uh, Potomac. I love working with housewives. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they would seem to keep you busy, right? <laughs> well, those are some fascinating ladies. And talk about leadership. You know, yeah. a lot of times we certainly, um, you know, they're very underrated in the things that they're able to do and have done. But, yeah. Michelle, you know, you could have been, you know, uh, one of those housewives if that's what you wanted to do. But you have, you know, put out a path for yourself that has given you like incredible success that people really need to pay attention to. Well, you're so sweet for saying that. I got to tell you, though, one of my friends is one of the new housewives of New York. Yeah. She's the first are. black one ever. And her name is Ebony K. Williams. Oh, yeah. A lot of you will yes. know her. Yeah. From Revolt yes. TV. Yes. She used to be a legal analyst on Fox. So shout out to uh, Ebony, if she's out there, if her publicist is listening. Or just say, Dr. Jeff. Yeah. I love me some yeah. Ebony. Don't get me started. Yeah, Ebony. She's gorgeous, isn't she? Well, it's the intellect. That's all I'm interested in. Oh, yeah. Well, she's very smart. And her book, Pretty Powerful, is right behind me. Yes. You know, anybody whose book means something to me is behind me right now. So I could go into all of that. But Dr. Is. Jeff, I got to thank you, first of all. Oh, it is. Thank you so much. How many years Not have you one another now? How many years has it been? Oh, gosh. You know what? I probably met you around 2004. Mm-hmm. I had Yeah. Through Sister to Sister Magazine, Jamie Foster Brown. Oh, I love me some Jamie. I love Jamie. And I'm so glad she's rebooting. Yeah. Isn't That's that awesome? Sister to Sister 2.0. Recreating herself. Isn't that Yeah. Listen, I love it. Isn't that, what we have to do now? Isn't that what we have to do now in this digital age? Stay forever young, recreate. I mean, yeah. look, I'm a senior citizen and I'm still around, but well, you know, that's why I'm reading your book, No Thanks. And I'm telling you that uh, <laughs> this is something that's so important um, for women out there, but also for men too. There's so much great advice that we can use from it, helping us. I'm so glad you said that. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you said that because my first Goodreads review was made by a white woman. And I was so glad that it came from her. Not, not that we're centering her. You know, the book is about recentering ourselves, right? But she talks about how she learned so much about our plight, but then she also picked up nuggets for herself. There you go. And go. my premise is, you know, if you can solve for black women, you can solve for anybody. Well, they're at the forefront, are they not? Yeah, you know, and you're not just saying black that. Black Nielsen black had some data out there. Black Lives black. Matter, three fabulous, yes. three fabulous women, two of them queer yeah. women. Yeah, you're right. You're I right. When, when a political party needs to move a needle, they need us to vote. And we usually pull it out for them. And that's why we have uh, Kamala Harris. Yes. Oh, my goodness. We are, what, four or five days away from election? I, I don't know. I may need to sedate myself. <laughs> uh, well, it, it's really interesting. Let me tell you my quick story about Kamala Harris. Uh, yeah. I many years ago, uh, when I was in California doing something on domestic violence, um, and um, 
I got to introduce her as the keynote speaker at the time. And people don't wow. remember this, but there was all of this stuff going around about, you know, Kamala Harris, you know, superstar attend, attorney general. And they kept talking about her looks, how good mm. she was, how good look. And I didn't go there, you know, in yeah. uh, introduction. I talked about her intellect because good. Of course, the most fascinating thing about her and her heritage, where she comes from, you know, yeah. the struggle, she's the next one and so on. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I think I may have mentioned something about future president, but I yeah. remember people coming up to me later and saying, thank you for not talking about her appearance and only talking about the substance of her character. Yeah. And you know what That's I said? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Stay out of some hot water. It seems so appropriate to name it that because the people that I lined up in the book, all rock stars, all rock stars. And I talk about rock star leadership frequently when it comes to the different tips that people can engage to rise above just mediocre leadership because we got a lot of it. We're not, we're not mentioning any names. We have some horrific- Well, there's mediocre and then there's a catastrophic failure, right? But we're not gonna talk about anybody today, <laughs> no. We're not gonna do that. Right. But thank you so much, Dr. Jeff, not just for coming on this show, but also being a part of this book. Yes. And, and the conversations that we've had in the past. Yes, yes. Yeah. Let's have some more. The yeah. We started having these conversations on the Culture Soup podcast. Mm -hmm. I remember, of course. Do you remember 4th of July? Yes, absolutely. 2019. Yes. I don't remember much anymore, but I remember that. You do? <laughs> That's great. But we talked about how privilege is as American as apple pie. Yes. But we also talked about all the different layers of it. And it's so important to have that context before we have this, this conversation. I keep turning it the wrong way. <laughs> and I think people assume that we only talk about white privilege in the book. It is, it is important to the book, but it's not the only kind of privilege. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. From your perspective, talk to us about all the different kinds of privilege there are. Well, there is a lot of privilege, and if you're not part of that privilege, it certainly can put you at a disadvantage, but the important thing, and I know what you've always talked about, is recognizing um, that there are people out there who are doing things uh, that it's not, because of their privilege, it's not about hating, it's not about um, you know putting them down, it's not about complaining about the advantages they have, but it's about learning about these different types of privilege. It's about infiltrating and going in and learning, for example, that if you go into a company uh, as an intern, you're not necessarily making any money or very little money, but it does give you the privilege of getting that gig before someone who comes in on the outside. So you have to Absolutely. learn how to make privilege work for you. And of course, we talk about white privilege all the time. That's part of a systemic racism but once again, if we know where it comes from, what it is, how we can begin to sidestep it uh, in order to get the things that we need uh, in order to know 
how it works so that we can learn the rules of the game and be able to navigate, then that's what makes us, um, puts us in a position to take advantage of that privilege and create our own privilege. Yes. You know, it's interesting. I first started to publicly talk about my position around the concept of privilege in 2019. And I started to speak at venues and actually bring it up. And at some point, I remember being on a panel and we were talking about building your tribe and leveraging your own privilege in order to speak up for other people. And a Latina woman stood up and uh, had a question for me. And she said, you know what? I am, I'm confused because on the one hand, I know that I'm not privileged because I'm Latina and I work hard to get where I am today. She said, on the other hand, I know that I have more privilege than some of my brothers and sisters and some other people that I come into contact with. Is it possible to have privilege and not have privilege mm. all at the same time. That's right, and and uh, that's exactly what she's saying because you know quite often we talk about black and brown people. We always put the black before the brown. I like mm -hmm. to put the brown before the black because it allows us to be more inclusive. But we do know, for example, um, President Trump uh, has a very strong support from some segments of the Hispanic population. Mm -hmm. Population. Those are the individuals who have privilege and don't want to lose their privilege. The privilege yeah. may come from, you know, what, uh, you know, um, a country they come from, which is considered to be, you know, either a South American uh, 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 or Caribbean or, um, you know, uh, a Latin-based, a Latinx-based Latinx um, country. Uh, but we know that skin color has a lot to do with that. There's a privilege. Yes. But that's not to say that um, brown people who have light skin are, you know, the enemy of the rest of the Latinx population or the black population. Many of those people, whether they may vote for Trump or not, and many do not vote for Trump, I would say, most likely. Some do, a certain amount of the population do. But those are the individuals who say, hey, listen, I've got this privilege here, mm -hmm. but you come with me and let's share this privilege. I'm going to open up yeah. a few doors for you that would have never been open. But I think what we're seeing with this um, situation with Trump is some people are afraid of losing that privilege and they think they will lose it if this president is no longer there. So this privilege right. thing is very real. Some people have it, some people don't, some people have it and don't have it. It allows yes. to go only so far, but much further than many. So we've Absolutely. got to really be aware of what privilege is all about, but how we can make it work for everyone. Absolutely. You and I talked about the kinds of privilege that, privileges that you and I have. We have educational yes. privilege. Yes. Yes. You know, it's, it's not to be taken lightly to be a scholar. Right. And, right. and be able to I, that's get right. into rooms that other people cannot. That's right. Uh, I, you, you have privi uh, privilege as, uh, as uh, an author, entrepreneur, 
um, executive life coach. I have privilege um, as a psychologist, as a senior citizen. You know, I can walk into rooms because of my age, because I'm in my 60s, uh, and be able to talk with certain individuals and get um, respect from certain individuals that I wasn't able to do when I was in my 30s. They're like, who's this young upstart or whatever? Yeah. I don't see age as a negative thing. I see it as a thing of uh, more of... Um, uh, privilege, but privilege that's been earned, right? Yeah. Um, that's yeah. why I'm able to be on Fox TV and MSNBC because I have the privilege of being a psychologist and, you know, speaking from a psychological point of view. So that's the point that you're making. And people really need to understand, earn that privilege, find out about the privilege, be educated and know what your yeah. privilege is, know what your privilege is and how you use that, how you monetize it, how you're able to utilize it in a way to open doors for you and for you to be able to reach your potential in a way that you perhaps would not be able to do without that privilege. What is, right. what is your privilege? Do some soul searching. What is your mm -hmm. privilege? And it, again, it's not to demonize anyone. In fact, when I share about this book, the villain in the book is fear. Mm -hmm. It's the one thing that holds all of us back when it comes down to what it is that I want to do, but I'm not doing it. Mm -hmm. It's fear. And some of the fears are very real. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, I'd like to touch on one more kind of privilege that confuses people because you can't have this privilege and not have another privilege. And that is financial privilege. And I'm thinking specifically about professional sports mm -hmm. athletes, right? Mm -hmm. Professional athletes mm -hmm. who have the privilege of the money, the fame, the clout that comes along with being in the NFL or the NBA or whatever, NHL, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. At the same time, if you have the skin color that's darker and people identify you as black or brown, you can still be stopped by the police. That's right. That's having privilege. People don't get that. Having privilege. But you know, it brings up uh, something that, that, that really is fascinating. Um, when you have that kind of privilege, when doors open for you everywhere, when you have the money, when you have the fame, but still, are treated as if you don't have privilege when you're, yeah. when you're driving a car. What is the psychological toll and damage to that individual mm. who's the one who perhaps never had the privilege and they expect that to happen? So it is shocking, shocking for that person who has the privilege. Now, of course, I would never say the one who has privilege and is stopped, you know, you know their woes are, are larger than the person who may not have privilege and they're stopped often. I mean, trauma mm -hmm. is trauma, but we have to really be aware that brown and black people, no matter what their privilege is, or no matter the lack of privilege, are traumatized every day. You know, yes. trying not to speak in hyperbole, but you know, in a way that the reality of, of being black and brown. Yeah, absolutely. So- And, and that you can't rely ahead. on privilege 
You can't rely on privilege alone. That no. will help you. Yes. It's important to know your privilege, but know that you can't skate on your privilege, whatever that is, whether it's education, whether it's money, whether anything that you think may give you that leg up. Yeah. So this is a great way to tee up the conversation about the book. You show up in chapter eight and there are seven affirmations in the book. And the reason why we have affirmations is because if, if the villain in the book is fear, that means that we are dealing with tons of negative self-talk, right? Mm -hmm. Saying, oh, you can't do that because that's scary. Or gee whiz, somebody might call you, you know, hard to work with or, you know, an angry black woman, whatever it might be. That fear keeps us from moving forward. So the book literally is an executive coach in a book. And by that, I mean that while there is advice inside the book, coaches ask powerful questions to get you to think and to get through those blockages, accelerate your motion forward, give you clarity about it. So each one of the chapters has an affirmation. Well, most of the chapters do. There's mm -hmm. seven affirmations. That's what the seven ways to say is all about. And this is the affirmations or the positive self-talk that you can do that will help you to overcome these negative aspects. So I want to say that um, this is the first time I've given away an affirmation live outside of the book. Not even, I haven't even posted one, right? So affirmation number seven is I will take positive cues from white privilege because I'm entitled. So now we're going to get really meta <laughs> when we talk about privilege here because we've talked about privilege as a way to open doors for, for some if you are centered, right, in whatever space you might be in. But what we're talking about here is actually leveraging the positive aspects of what a lot of people see as negative, white privilege, which can be positive and negative. We found out in the book, there are all sorts of privileges in the book before we get to chapter eight. In fact, in chapter two, I make the, the comment that I happened upon a pocket of black privilege mm -hmm. within a very white company. Mm -hmm. And my excellent performance got me an invitation to that dance, right? Right. The other thing is, one of the anecdotes that's in this very chapter talks about a positive aspect of white privilege. In fact, it came from a friend of ours who was a white male, still is, <laughs> very, very senior individual who overheard a conversation that about three African-American sisters polished to the T find people, find cars, find clothes, what you will find in corporate America. After we came out of a diversity and inclusion conversation, having the meeting after the meeting, right? So all three of us are sitting there and we're like, girl, you know what? They really should have said X, Y, and Z. I can't even remember what we were saying, <laughs> but I do remember this. I said, you know, I couldn't say that in that meeting because if I'd said that out loud, you know what they do to somebody like me? And we all said, mm-hmm. Like, yeah, girl, you know, mm -hmm. and this person, very high ranking person walks up and says, why wouldn't you say it, Michelle? And we all stopped and looked at him and he said, I'd say it. And let me tell you why. And this was something around um, racism and anti-blackness. Mm -hmm. 
And he said, I would say it, and let me tell you why. What would they do but take my job? And this is the clincher. I'd just go get another one. And that's when it just shook me to my core. Why didn't I think like that? Why didn't all three of us think that way? We have credentials. We have educational privilege, right? We had corporate privilege. We were skilled. We could, we could go anywhere. But something in our minds told us, no, you can't do that. It hit me in that moment that he had a degree of privilege because he didn't have to fear some of the things that we feared that are very, very real, that he did not see parents model a certain behavior. You know, my parents, they worked through the 60s and the 70s, right? You kept your head down and you just worked. (laughs) You didn't didn't kick up dust about diversity and inclusion. And then it hit me. It was something positive that this man brought to the table that he wasn't even aware of. And we talked about it, you and I, and I quote you in the book. I'm going to read it, okay? And then I want you to comment on it. You got it. I asked you a very, you called it a provocative question on the Culture Soup podcast. And that was, what positives can people who are marginalized or on the outside of white privilege, what can we take that's positive from white privilege? And this is what you said. People can take and apply to themselves self-love, knowledge of self, an awareness of one's value and the tendency to act boldly. And I took that and said, you know what? Those are positive affirmations that we could flip Mm -hmm. and use to our advantage. And this is where the idea of flipping privilege comes from. So Dr. Jeff. That's right. So uh, let me rephrase that and say it yes. much more, uh, even much more simple way just for now, though the way it's in the book is, I think it's just perfect because you rounded out the edges on it too, let's be honest. <laughs> uh, but um, don't hate the player, hate the game. Yes! Not just don't hate the player, hate the game, but learn the rules of the game. Learn there you go. Play it. See, so the whole thing about white privilege and, you know, now thank God for Black Lives Matter is because we've started talking about white privilege as being part of institutional racism. How is it that, you know, so many of these, you know, corporations and institutions and, you know, different types of companies and so on, uh, how is it that we see racism is expressed? Well, here, it's what we call this unconscious racism. It's not something Mm -hmm. that is intentional on their part, but it's something that has been with us for hundreds of years to the point where it's part of the bricks and mortar psychologically culture of not just our society, but the byproduct of society, the institutions, the companies, and so on. So it's not about, you know, pointing fingers, you bad people. It's about getting them to recognize that there is white privilege, that having a skin color or identifying as a white person or, you know, something similar, um, you know, they are able to be let into a club uh, much easier than the rest of us. Yeah. And it's not done intentionally. Again, it's part of stereotypical thinking. It's part of, you know, an upbringing where we feel good about something. 
because it's around us all the time, right? And you know what? So this is what. To, well, let me just say very quickly. And okay. so we have to learn, you know, how that happens. And therefore, how do we infiltrate that system? How do we find out what it is that they like? How, once we get in, do we begin to change that culture and open the door for others who look yes. like us to come in and change that culture? And so yes. we have a lot of friends who have white privilege. Let's yes. turn them off. Let's get them to recognize what it is that they have. Let's get them to recognize that they may not want to look at white privilege because of white fragility, right? Yes. But that we right. support them in their journey to learn about themselves. And we don't ask for much in return, only equality, only yeah. opportunity, only to open the door and allow us to come in and do our work. Absolutely. I love what you said there. And I think it draws attention to the power of that anecdote. Because what we saw that very powerful white man do was, you know, posit that he would use his privilege to speak up for someone who was underprivileged. Number one, that was a good thing. But I think what was behind it may not have even been conscious to him like it wasn't conscious to us, but it did raise the question, why did he go from, they could fire me, but I'll go get a job. And we sat there and said, they could fire me, period. Well, because they, you know, he doesn't have uh, many of the traumatic experiences with regard to race uh, that we have had. And so yes. those traumatic experiences uh, result in what I call um, very much a systemic a post-traumatic um, um, stress disorder that is spe mm -hmm. specific to people of color, to brown and black people. Some people call it post-traumatic slavery disorder uh, and mm. their variations on that. And so what we're talking about is a mental health challenge that keeps us, if we're not aware of it, from being able to look at all of the different possibilities. Yeah. Uh, in many ways has imposed a fear on our thinking that keeps us from, you know, taking the risks and taking the chances. Now we see with people like you, Michelle, and with, you know, certainly our younger generation of brown and black people, you know, they're kicking all of that stuff in the butt and they're saying, you know what? We are going to achieve, we can see the horizons, we are going to, you know, live to our potential and we're going to dream and we're going to live out our dreams. Why is yeah. that happening? There's more courage in this particular yes. generation. They may have not had the trauma that, you know, dinosaurs like myself have had <laughs> living in you the- You are not a dinosaur. <laughs> well, living in the 50s, living in the 60s, you know, Civil Rights Act and so on, you know, seeing segregation and all those sorts of things. But that's a good thing because it yeah. gives this generation not only the strength to be better entrepreneurs and business people, Michelle, but it also allows them to be the people who are in the streets peacefully protesting, yes. demonstrating for equality and in the boardroom, the C-suite, and certainly in everyday life. Absolutely. So it, it, it is fascinating that these qualities that we saw in this one anecdote 
and even in white men in general, we can adopt, even if we have to manufacture it, right? Whether it's through our tribe that pours pours it into us, whether it's the self-talk that we do, we have to understand that we are entitled. And I think that's the thing that scares people. When you walk in that entitlement into a room where you're not centered, (laughs) it causes people to go, wait a minute. Listen, here's the thing. What you've done is really brilliant. I I need people to really understand, and they can read the book, Getting No Thanks, and understand this, that yes, we deplore um, white privilege. We know that it's held us back for so long. But what Michelle is saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, is go into the thinking of individuals who live in a society where they get white privilege. And with that white privilege, they have a psychological freedom that quite often we don't tap into. Study that freedom. See what it's like to live without some of that fear. Feel what it's like to be able to take risks and not you know, be in a situation of, oh my God, but how am I going to pay my bills? Because people with white privilege, you know, they really begin, even if they do get themselves in trouble because they may not get another gig, but they are thinking in a way that they have no shackles or bounds. So we need to be careful with that too. And, you know, not lose our minds and, you know, exactly <laughs> what they may do, but there right. are nuggets, there are techniques, there are things that we can learn. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Hate the game. Learn the rules. And you know what? Learn from the game. Right. <laughs> yes. And play on, player. Play on, player. You know what, Dr. Jeff? There's one more aspect to this that I don't think a lot of people think about. You know, I liken privilege whatever kind of privilege, as the centering of somebody or some group. And if they're centered, it means the rest of us are on the outside and we're all the way around them, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is where it gets tricky. Sometimes we play into that power center because we've been accustomed to it because of generational trauma, because of all of these things, right? It's subconscious. So... It is very true that you can find people who look just like me, brown, female, who will work to tear another one of us down because they don't see the value in themselves, let alone the value in you. Can you speak to that? Yeah, very much. uh, There are individuals who are very much involved in what we call projection. And if they're not feeling good about themselves, uh, they have a false bravado. Uh, they've created a privilege which is not real. Real, right? But very flimsy, and, and that used to happen quite often. Then we see, you know, the bigger they are, the harder they fall. But a lot of that privilege that they claim to have, that they claim to use that they feel that they're creating um they tear other people down as michelle is saying because none of it is real by tearing you down they feel it feeds into their own ego their privilege that they can do that where do we see that we see it every day 
We see it in yeah. politics, right? Yeah. In corporations, we're seeing it in an election coming up. Yeah. Don't get me started. I didn't want to go. Yeah. <laughs> Look, you know, um, and I, you know, I've, I've done a lot of looking into black history as well here in the United States. And some of these caricatures play out on the plantation. You have to go all the way back to see it. Mm -hmm. I typically call this character, no matter if they are black, if they are Latina, no matter if they're Asian, they're the overseer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they feel that they have some kind of power to wield over people who look like them. This is Karen too, to be honest, you know? Women do this to women all the time. Yes, and, uh, I, Karen and, 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 and my previous example, was more what happens when someone of another culture or race does that to someone of a different culture or race. But you're right. I mean, we do this. I don't know why you want to go there today. I hey, it's in the book. Go there today. <laughs> but yes, there are people who look like us who in many ways feel, have a false sense of that privilege and wield it like a sword against people who look like them. Now, I'll, t I'll mm -hmm. show you, you know, I'll give you a, a, a typical example of that. The sole black person working in a company who makes sure that they're the sole black person working in a company. And I'm not there talking S-O-U-L. I'm talking about S-O-L-E. Okay? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's where we see that. We talk about the crabs, you know, crabs in, crabs a, in a barrel. You know, so, you know, we, in many ways... That can be our biggest enemy because we thought that this is a person who can be our biggest ally. So, but here's the interesting thing. Sometimes we do that as people of color and are not even aware of it. And so- That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> we have to be, you know, do our soul searching and not be afraid of sharing. Yeah. Giving up. Listen, you know what? Core to my platform is authenticity, and authenticity is is very important to real rock star leadership. That's right. And the fact that I can admit that I have gone into rooms before and assumed somebody was in charge, not even consciously, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it had more to do with who that person was, and it may have had something to do with race too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's been done to me. And then I have to snap myself out of it and say, wait a minute, what am I doing? That woman could be in charge. Well, and that's part of uh, implicit bias uh, that we do have. And it's important that we all pay attention to it, um, not just for society's sake, but when, when we're involved in business, when we're involved in industry, implicit bias can really destroy your work if you're not aware. Um, and if you're able to look at what that implicit bias is and work on that each and every day, that only makes you that superstar, that rock star that you talk about because you have less of the psychological shackles that keep you in a place where you're not able to not only look at your potential, but realize the potential of someone else who can be part of your team. Yeah. Wow. If we could wrap our heads around this, what kind of forward movement might we make? That's right, that's right. Look, I mean, we're out there, Black Lives Matter, the movements are out there, we're changing the world, we're changing society, we're changing the industry, but we've gotta have a plan. 
Yeah. You've got to have a plan. And Michelle, you've offered a plan. And that plan is to be able to study what it is that certain people who may have privilege, how is that wielded? How does it come about? But what are the things that they think? How do they operate? Who are they? And how can we use that knowledge in order to be able to break that glass ceiling, the secret knowledge, make it not yeah. so secret, and to allow others who are black and brown and LGBT and all other communities Accessibility. to be able to come through the door because the answer is love and diversity. Yes, love. It all starts with love. Mm -hmm. It ends with love, mm -hmm. all of it. You know what, Dr. Jeff, before I let you go, because this has been a great conversation. I'm so glad we had it. Oh, I'm going to ask you, what questions do you have for me about this book? Well, how, how, I, I think the most important thing is, how do we get no thanks out to everyone in a way that they can begin recommending it to everyone yeah. else? There, there is some great, great, you know, professional and life coaching out there. How can I help you do that? I'm happy to do that. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Dr. Jeff, if you notice or you know that there are people out there that this would be great for, if you would recommend it or buy it as a gift, we're coming up on the holidays. Mm -hmm. It's a great gift. And uh, if you get it from my website, nothanksbook.com, I'll sign it and ship it out to you. Otherwise, you can go to amazon.com, there's barnesandnoble.com, hudsonbooksellers.com. If you're in Canada, Chapters Indigo. And of course, add whatever extension on the Amazon. If you're in Japan, if you're in Canada, wherever you might be, you can get it online. But I recommend, and I'm seeing it happen, mm -hmm. the sisters that are getting this book, Black, White, Latina, whatever, they're mm -hmm. buying more than one. They're buying them in bulk. And they're saying, my reading group needs this. My reading circle needs this. My mentoring circle needs this. And I appreciate that because my goal isn't New York Times bestseller. My goal is to see more women of color crashing the C-suite. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what. Uh, what? This is a book that um, I think really can change the paradigm, uh, change oh. the game in the way that we uh, are, are playing it. So get those secrets. I appreciate that. Y'all heard it first from America's psychologist. This is Dr. Jeff Gardier, clinical psychologist, and you've seen him on television everywhere. And he, most importantly, he's my friend. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Dr. Jeff. I'm happy to be your friend. <laughs> I'm so glad you are Isn't my friend. Amazing. I have so many powerful friends like you. Majority, 99% of them are women. I am wow. the biggest guy in the world. <laughs> and these are true friends, and these oh. are people that I learned so much from because women are the most powerful force on this planet. Oh, wow. You know what? If more I, men understood that. <laughs> if more men understood that, they'd be much happier in their relationships. So, too. In their lives. Trust me. Yeah, you know, if we could get out of the mindset of power, you know, and who has power, I think that's where people get really messed up about things, you know. So I appreciate that high praise. And you know what, Dr. Jeff? 
Perhaps we need to do some media together. That would be great. Because I think more people need to hear this. And we have done some and we'll do more. Yes. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Everybody, Dr. Jeff Gardier, tell them where they can follow you on social media. Uh, at Dr. Jeff Gardier uh, on Twitter. They can go to drjeffgardier.com and um, certainly you'll find me somewhere. I'm everywhere, you know. He's also on LinkedIn, Dr. Jeff Gardier. Thank you so much. Thank you. What an awesome conversation with Dr. Jeff Gardier, America's psychologist, my friend and clinical psychologist that you've seen on HLN, you've seen him on The Real Housewives, you've seen him on uh, Love and Basketball, some others too. But look, he's not the last voice in this series. He's only number two. Number three happens next week, Wednesday at noon, live across my social channels, home base being LinkedIn. We're going to talk to none other than the incredible Trudy Bourgeois, the Center for Workforce Excellence. She is a trainer, a facilitator, a dynamic speaker, and you know what? She's also my friend, advocate, and mentor coach. Can't wait to have the conversation with Trudy. She shows up in Chapter 2, Chapter 3, and Chapter 6 if you're looking and you need to get the book if you haven't already, go to nothanksbook.com and it'll show you wherever else you can buy it. But on my site, you get all sorts of goodies. You can get free tools. You can get gear, branded gear. Check it all out. Find us online at theculturesoup.com, on Instagram and Twitter at The Culture Soup, and on Facebook at The Culture Soup Podcast. Until next week. The Culture Soup Podcast is a production of No Size Communication, LLC. The Culture Soup Podcast is a registered trademark of No Silos Communications, LLC.